We are standing in the Boer Cemetery on the island of St. Helena. A light drizzle patters on the trees as the local priest says a prayer in memory of the 180 Boer prisoners of war who died here while the Anglo-Boer War was raging thousands of miles away in their homeland. This tiny plug of volcanic rock, just 16 kilometers long and 8 kilometers wide, is as remote as it gets. Rio de Janeiro is 4,000 kilometers to the west, and the African coast is 2,000 kilometers to the east. The island was discovered by a sailor named João de Novo in May 1502. It was found to be uninhabited, but there was lots of fresh water and abundant trees, and it soon became a rendezvous for passing ships to get water, and maybe even get some food. The island was briefly held by the Dutch until they went off to the Cape of Good Hope to found their victualling station in 1652. Since about 1660, the island has been most firmly in British hands. Today's St. Helena, population 4,534, people known as saints, is Britain's second oldest overseas territory after Bermuda, and one of the few of the empire's pink bits still left on the map. For five centuries, the only way to get to the island was by ship. In the days of sail, the voyage could take weeks, even months. For the last few decades, the island's only connection to the outside world has been an undersea phone line and the Royal Mail ships which ran a round-trip service, mostly from Cape Town to the island. The ship was expensive to run, and it could only call about a dozen times a year. For years and years, the saints have been clamouring for an airport, because they wanted to be part of the world. Last year, they finally got one. St. Helena Airport finally opened on the 14th of October, 2017. St. Helena was now connected to the rest of the earth. Getting to that point has been a long, hard road. It's a story beyond the scope of this podcast. Let's just say that there was a lot of opposition back home in England and many obstacles, both geographical and human, to overcome. At one stage in the English press, St. Helena Airport was dubbed the world's most useless airport. In the end, it cost the British taxpayer some millions upon millions of pounds, and the engineers quite literally had to move a mountain to build it. I flew in on the first commercial flight on October 14th last year. I had 28 hours on the island. Not enough, to be sure. 
but it gave me an insight into the lives of these fine people, such as this lass who works in the island's tourism department. She told us why the island is so special. My name is Helena Bennett. I live on St. Helena, born on St. Helena, and I speak with a St. Helenian accent. <laughs> what I love about St. Helena, you know, it is, it is laid back. It is laid back, it's quiet, it's peaceful. We are a normal town, like anywhere else in the world, but, you know, it, it is secured. You can just put your bag down and say, oh, watch my things, and I just go in a shop. Or you can even leave your shopping in the shop and say, hey, I left my shopping there. It got mud and tomatoes and whatever in it. Can you keep it for me till tomorrow? And they will just keep your bag till tomorrow. You can drop your wallet and they will say, they'll open it up, look and say, hey, you left your wallet in our shop. I will pass it in to you. That is the beauty of St. Selena, besides all the attractions that you'll see. The attractions, there's loads. So if you're into military history, we got loads of military fortifications around the island. Um, all built like from pre-days when we had the Spaniards and the Portuguese and the Dutch and the English fighting for St. Helena. They were re-fortified for when Napoleon came and then we just maintain it. That is the fortifications. Then we actually have Jonathan. He's reported to be the oldest living tortoise on St. Helena, so I reckon he speaks Saint by now, <laughs> even though he was imported in. Um, we also have the Napoleonic product. We got a lot of um, prisoners of war um, heritage here as well. It goes into the mixing part of what makes St. Helena St. Helena. As you can see, everybody is all different, but we are all cousins and family and brothers and sisters, so it will shock you when you find out that, oh, hey, that's my sister, and she's completely look different looking to what I am, and we got the same mom and dad. So that is the mixing part that makes St. Helena. Long before it even opened, St. Helena Airport had earned quite a reputation for its difficult approach. The island is mountainous and battered by winds off the ocean. The airport perches on a plateau, and the most impressive thing as you approach are the steep high cliffs that tumble to the sea. The terrain and the winds combine to form some impressive turbulence, a fact that some haters were quick to seize on. During the technical stop at Vintuk, I went to speak to the crew about landing at St. Helena. I'm, I'm Paul Ash, I'm from Sunday Times, doing a little podcast on the whole experience. I'd just like to speak to you guys from the pilot's point of view about the challenges of flying in Centenino and what you think about the start of air service. Tammy King. And you're a training captain? I am. The challenges are nothing we haven't trained for. We're very keen and we look forward to serving the Saints. Tell me about the, pro the approach. I mean, what's it like uh, approaching a nice rocky outcrop in the middle of the Atlantic? It's beautiful. <laughs> We've got the best view. <laughs> I mean, we went there to get special training. And it, as we trained it, so every approach is like that. And we deal with it as we trained it. And the actual challenges, what are they? I mean, well, you know, the challenge, if you do get windshare, we just commence a go-around and we try again. Every approach in St. Helena is different. They are two different approaches. The approaching on zero to it's easier in terms of wind, but um, there's no reason why we can't approach from 2-0 because that's what we train for. Captain, um, what do you think about flying to Cincinnati? What's it? Uh, how does it feel for you personally? It's lovely. 
the, mo the most remotest place in the world and Ealing's flying there. The island's remoteness has really put the brakes on progress. Everything had to come by ship, mostly from Cape Town, a five-day voyage away. The distance has also hampered tourism. Too few people could take three weeks off to go and voyage to the island. And then when they got there, there weren't a whole lot of places to stay. That's all changed with the opening of the Mantis Centellina, a gorgeous hotel that saw its first guests the day the first flight arrived. On the flight over, I chatted to Adrian Gardner, Mantis chief executive, about the problems of building a hotel on a rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. The logistics of building something there is uh, something really challenging. I mean, just to even make bricks is near impossible because, you know, you run out of water, you can't wash the sand. You know, so the logistics of making sure that everything is on the right voyage, because if you miss something on one voyage, you delay the whole project. Obviously, without the airline, tourism has never flourished there. You know, so I hope it picks up quickly. We want two flights a week minimum. And I think, you know, once we get the two flights a week, that'll really make a difference. You know, we want to fix that whole main street up. I want to find somebody who's going to donate us paint, and we're going to do those buildings up in an eclectic manner, you know, to make it look like something very special in the world. And I've seen that done all over in other countries and other towns in the world. I want to do that. Like I said, St. Helena may be tiny, but it punches above its weight in terms of history. Napoleon Bonaparte spent his last days here, exiled by the British to the furthest away place they could think of. His home, Longwood House, is now a museum, funded and maintained by the French government. You could see the tricolor flying above the house at all times. The Zulu king, Dini Zulu Kakechwayo, was also exiled here after leading a rebellion against the British in Zululand in 1910. One of his descendants still lives on the island. And then there are the Boer prisoners who spent two years here and were, by all accounts, well treated. At least one of them, an Englishman fighting for the Boer side, stayed on after the war and married a local girl. I met one of his descendants, a man named Basil George. Uh, my name is Basil George. I'm an islander, lived most of my life here, except for a period of four years as a student in the UK. The major part of my family is not, is not from the Boer ancestry, it's from a long line of uh, uh, British military. The British government had a permanent, uh, permanent garrison station here, so that's, that's my main line. My grandmother, coming from this uh, singly in the military background, married a Boer prisoner. And why that happened, you see, because the governor at the time he set the tone um, uh, of how the island should treat the prisoners with due respect for men who fought bravely for the country. So that set the tone. In fact, my, grand, my grandfather got married uh, in March when he was still a prisoner because the war wasn't over until June. Yeah. That's St. Helena, you see. My grandfather was, in fact, a, a, an Englishman. Two, two brothers had gone out uh, uh, as young men working in the mines. In, in, in South Africa, and they fought on the side of the Boers when, when, when it came here. Another side of my ancestry is when we stopped importing slaves, we brought in Chinese indentured laborers, and I've got three branches of slaves. 
So my brown skin hasn't come out of a bottle. I'm very proud of this, you know, because we had slavery as part of our society. Awful history. And we've come through that. A very divisive society to be integrated with a common identity. To me, that's very special. St. Helena, a British outpost. <laughs> that connection. The rain eases up, and a man pulls out a flute and begins to play Sari Maria. We have to run for the airport. No, 24 hours is not enough to explore St. Helena, and I'll have to come back. It's a good thing, then, that Airlink are flying to the island once a week on Saturdays. The return fare is 18,000 rand. No, it's not cheap. But then the best things in life aren't cheap. And St. Helena is one of those things. It may be one of the most interesting and absorbing places I've ever been. And you should go. For more information about St. Helena, check out the web links on the landing page of this episode. You've been listening to the Sunday Times Travel Podcast. And I'm your host, Paul Ash. Keep an ear out for our next episode. Until then... Travel safely. I leave you with Sari Maria.